six months now, we've been living in a global pandemic. 32 million cases, 975,000 or so deaths. It's taken quite a toll on our life in this world, has it not? We've said that word, unprecedented, in unprecedented fashion. Uh, and yet, the truth is, uh, it's actually quite precedented. Now, maybe for our lives, uh, this is something new. It is for me. Uh, human history has shown itself to have these kinds of things uh, come and go. You know, the, the bubonic plague, smallpox, cholera, Ebola. And not all sicknesses are of a pandemic proportion, right? There are just the small things that plague us, like like allergies that can be really not that small uh, when you have them, especially in summer. Uh, headaches, migraines, inflammation, you name it. There is a infinite list of large and small pandemic or puny things that we deal with in terms of sicknesses, illnesses, and diseases in our world. And not to mention things beyond the physical to the psychological, the mental health issues that we face uh, that sometimes often can be crippling for human existence. That's just human experience, right? Sickness, illness, disease. We carry it in our lives. We carry it as just part of human existence, suffering, disease, and it's a heavy weight. It's a heavy weight that we bear. I mean, yes, there's, there's massive progress being made in biomedical innovation. Like we can, we can medicate and help and bring cures in many ways. And we praise God for those common graces. But at the end of the day, no matter how hard we try to push against that, we, we cannot really cure sickness in a total sense. We are faced with it. We're vulnerable. We're fragile. We carry this as a part of human existence in our world. It's a heavy burden that we carry. And so we wonder, as people get sick and people face disease, and oftentimes, sadly and tragically, it takes their life, maybe our own lives. The question is, where is our hope in this world for Jesus. Where is our hope for a cure? Where is our hope for the removal of this experience, this weight that we bear? Maybe you're here today and you feel devastated by, maybe you feel even defined by some ailment or illness or condition. Where is your hope? In what do you place your hope? Today we come to Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. Grab your Bibles with me. We're going to follow along. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. If you've been with us for any period of time, you'll be thinking, wow, we're reading 17 verses today? Not two. Um, yeah, we're reading a little bit more of a chunk here this morning. But what we see in this particular passage is Jesus comes down from the mountain. Remember, we've just concluded the Sermon on the Mount. 
Now Jesus is coming down from the mountain, and now he's on the move again. He's on the move. And he's providing hope to those who need it desperately. He's providing hope to a leper this morning, to a centurion, and to a woman. And as we'll see, to many, to the world. And I wonder this morning if in a unique way the Word of God will not provide for you this very same hope in the midst of sickness and disease and the frailty of human existence. Listen to Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled, and said to those who had followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into the outer darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirit with a word, and he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. This is the word of the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Leprosy was a dreaded physical condition. It was an infectious disease caused by bacteria. For all intents and purposes, it was considered to be incurable. And when you had it, it created for your life a social alienation. You were ostracized. You were kicked to the curb. You weren't allowed to hang out with other people. You were shunned. You could say, if you got it, you were under forced quarantine. And the 
issue is, is that leprosy made someone unclean. And that's not a physical term. Leprosy made someone unclean spiritually. That when one came down with leprosy, it was considered to be, at least by many, a curse from God. You were unclean, uh, yes, physically, but more so spiritually, and you could not worship with the community. Could not worship. You literally could not go to church. You could not worship. And so one living with leprosy in this treacherous condition approaches Jesus. Right? The one who is shunned now has the courage and the desperation to seek Jesus out, to pursue him, to find him in the midst of the crowd and come before him on his or her knees, I'm sorry, his knees and say, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. What a powerful word, Lord. Imagine what this person felt like was mastering him. It was the disease itself. Right? The incurable condition of leprosy. And yet the person approaches Christ and calls him Lord. And a, a statement that shows true faith. Lord, if you're willing, if you will, you can make me clean. It's as if he's coming to Jesus in this act of desperation, this posture of kneeling, expressing his faith by saying this. Listen, I've tried to get rid of this, but I can't. I can't do it. Listen, Jesus, they've tried. My family, they've done all that they can, but they can't do it. No one can do it. But I look to you, Jesus, and I recognize that while I can't and they can't, you can. When everybody else can't, including ourselves, when we come to that last moment of desperation in the midst of our fallen condition, we come to Christ in faith and we say, I can't, Lord. They can't, Lord. Nothing else can, Lord. Only you can. What an act, act of faith. Really, the issue for him is not whether Jesus can, but whether he will. If you will, you can. It's not a matter of ability. It's a matter of desire. If you will, you can, Jesus. And then we see what Jesus does in response to this. The text says that he reached out, he stretched out his hand to touch the leper. Now this is a risky move for Jesus. In the eyes of many looking on, because, you see, you understand, they were stunned and they were unclean. And if you touched something that was unclean, guess what happened to you? You were now unclean. You were unfit. And so Jesus is stretching out his hand, this radically risky move for Jesus. If he touches the leper, he becomes unclean. We see this amazing thing. We're asking the question, like, is Jesus unclean now because he touches the leper? And it's in this moment in the passage 
that we come face to face with the glory of Christ. That it is not possible for the clean one, for Christ himself to become unclean. But when Jesus touches the unclean, he transforms it. He makes that which is unclean, clean. That's what Jesus is able to do. And as we see, Jesus is willing to do. D.A. Carson says, at Jesus' touch, nothing remains undefiled. I'm sorry, remains defiled. Nothing remains defiled. What an amazing thing to consider. As we think about our own struggles and our own sicknesses and our own sins, nothing that Jesus touches is defiled. He cleans it. The glory of Christ we see. And so this morning, if Jesus touches you, if you've been touched by Christ, know that you have been made clean. You are clean and fit now for worship. And so we see at the word of Christ, the will of Christ happens. He says, I will. Be clean. Do you hear those words? I will. Be clean. With such authority. Such, uh, he, he literally uh, commands cleanliness with the power of His Word. Be clean. It almost sounds like or echoes the language of the creation account. Let there be light. And there was light. Jesus is being presented by Matthew here as He often does as the new creator bringing about a new creation in the midst of this world, restoring all that is broken in human existence. So what do we see? That that's who Jesus is. He's the new creator. Same creator, but bringing about a new creation in the world by speaking authoritatively, I will be clean. And so if you're here today and you're wrestling and trying to find hope in the midst of a world that is, that is just pervasively dealing with sickness and illness and uncleanliness, your hope is in Christ. Because Jesus is the great healer. That's who Jesus is. That's who Matthew's presenting to us today. He is the great healer and he is able to restore the cleanliness Cleanliness to the leprous. That's who Jesus is. And he goes on and he tells him, he says, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. And that's what this is. You see, Jesus is not telling him to go create fanfare about this amazing miracle. But no, go, show yourself to the priest. And in that he's being restored back into fellowship so he can worship. What, what an amazing, compassionate, powerful thing that Jesus has done for the lepers. Restoring all that was lost. Restoring all that was broken. That's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus does. He's the great healer. He's the one that can restore cleanliness to all who are unclean. What an amazing thing today, is it not? And we see another 
passages, Jesus continues to be on the move and he comes to the city of Capernaum. Not just a leper is in need, but now we see a centurion. A centurion comes to him. And the centurion was uh, a leader of a hundred soldiers in military terms. You can imagine the Roman occupation, right, of, of all of that area. And they had to have certain outposts and certain people in place to make sure that their rule and their reign and their authority was maintained. And so they would put centurions in place to lead and guide and direct a, a, a group of about a hundred soldiers to ensure the stability of the Roman Empire. But they were basically the representative backbone of the Roman occupancy. So you can imagine how well-liked a centurion was. Right, again, you see a leper, an outcast, and here we see a centurion, someone that has power, but is still, in terms of the, 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 the community of the people of God, was considered to be disgusting, to be uh, uh, despised and rejected. He's a Gentile, not a Jew. And he runs and he comes to Jesus and he says to him, Lord, my servant is being is lying paralyzed at home and suffering terribly. Paralysis. He can't walk. Mobility is compromised. And the text says he's suffering terribly. We assume he's in a lot of pain. We don't know what happened, if he got injured or if it's just something that developed. We don't really know the background. But what we do know is the centurion, a man of great power and authority, comes to Jesus in a place of desperation, needing Jesus to do something very powerful in this man's suffering. And so Jesus hears these words, and he says, I'll come, I'll, I'll heal him. And the, and the centurion responds so, so uh, surprisingly. He says, I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. I understand who I am. I understand the things that I've done. I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. And so he says this. He says, only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. And to another servant, do this, and it's done. You see, this guy in the military understands the chain of command. Right? He understands that there are orders that come from the top. And if you tell someone under your authority to do something, it's done. It's as good as done. And what Jesus basically sees in this man is an awareness of the kind of authority that Jesus has. He understands the chain of command. And he looks at Jesus basically as a divine, absolute commander-in-chief over all of human existence and creation. He's basically saying, in the same way, Jesus, that I have authority to tell a soldier to do X, Y, or Z, and they do it, you literally have the authority over the human body, over the created order, over every molecule, over every cell, everything in the created order. All you have to do is say the word, and it will obey your command. That's the kind of authority that the centurion understands that Jesus has. Do you see that this morning? 
Do you know Jesus as the one who is able, who has power and authority over every single detail, molecule, a cell, every thought? He has every uh, ounce of authority over every single aspect of your life and your future, everything. There's nothing in which His authority is not over in your life and your existence. Do you see that today? That's what Jesus sees in this man's face. He sees it such a remarkable thing. This man understands who I am. This man understands that I am the ruler and reigner over all things, that I have sovereign power over human existence, that my word carries authority. That if I just say, be healed, as we just saw, it happens. And if I say, be healed in this paralytic place, it'll happen too. He understands that. And he affirms the man's faith, doesn't he? He understands the chain of command. He understands that Jesus' word carries such authority over the created order that he can literally speak strength back into the legs of a lame man. Now listen, I walk into my kitchen after dinner and I'm tired. And I go, I wonder if it's this. Be clean. Moms and dads, tell me if you know what I'm talking about. Man, I've tried that a few times. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I've tried, tried to bring about some sort of kingdom authority. You know, and just guess how many times it happened? Zero. It's really important. You don't have the authority to speak things into existence, to change reality through our spoken word. But Jesus does it. So if you're here today and you're wondering, where is hope for me? Hear that. That Christ has authority to just speak and transform everything about you. What an awesome thing. He affirms this faith and he marvels. And he basically uh, 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 teaches us and everyone there that, that, that the... That, that uh, the kingdom of God will include and exclude those who we would least expect. Right? That everyone would expect the Jews, the Pharisees, and the scribes went through this in the Sermon on the Mount. That they're the, the righteous one that God loves and will accept. But no, those who come to Christ in faith, right? many will come. What hope? Many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That's us. Those who hear and respond to the truth about who Christ is. Matthew continues to emphasize that in his gospel. Many will come. Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth, not just of the Jews. And even those sons of the kingdom will suffer judgment because of their lack of faith in Christ, who He is. It's a heavy thing to consider. But Jesus emphasizes it again. And He tells the centurion, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. There it is again. Jesus is the great healer. That's who He is. He's not just the great teacher. He is the great teacher. But He is also the great healer. And He's able to restore 
strength into the legs of all who are lame. What an amazing thing to see. We see in these next verses that Jesus enters Peter's house. He sees the mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. And just with the touch of his finger, she's immediately healed. The emphasis on touch here. You know, so many people see, and rightly so, the compassion of Christ. Such love and mercy in the simple touch of his hand that radically transforms our, 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 our human existence. And many come, he says, oppressed by demons, cast out spirits with a word, there it is again, with a word, and healed all who are sick. Bottom line, Jesus is the great healer. He's the one able to restore all that is broken. Hear that today. Where do you feel brokenness the most this morning? I know you feel it. In varying degrees, in varying seasons of your life, you know brokenness. We know how to self-medicate those moments of brokenness. We know how to escape those moments. To numb ourselves to the heaviness of the brokenness. But what I'm trying to tell you today is that the Word of God puts out for us the true source of our hope and escape. And that is Christ. Jesus is the great healer. He is the one that restores all that is broken in human experience in our very lives. And He does it by coming to this brokenness. Right? He's present in it. Let's not forget the reality of the incarnation that He's... We're talking about the life of Christ. We're talking about when He came to this broken, jacked up world. He enters into it. And as you read the Gospels, you see the cumulative testimony of what Christ is like and what He does in response to brokenness. Dane Ortland says this. He says, The cumulative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world around Him, His deepest impulse, His most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. Understand Christ has come to it. Christ is with you in it. He's there to restore all that is broken in His people that come to Him in humility and embracing Him by faith. Come to Christ today for healing. Come to Christ. He came to you. Come to Him. But we see this last verse kind of brings it all together. It gives basis and even greater purpose to how this healing was secured. This is what Matthew tells us that these events that took place, he says this, these events, these healings, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah 
He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Did you hear what it said? That prophecy is fulfilled in Christ. He is the one that is carrying illness. He is the one that is bearing disease. That's what Matthew's telling us. That all of these stories, these encounters, the many healings, it's all just pointing to the nature of Christ, who He is. He's the great healer. He's the one that carries. He's the one that bears our illnesses and our diseases. But if you understand what Isaiah 53 is really talking about, it's even more than that. That Matthew's telling us that Jesus is the suffering servant. Which we read already in our assurance of pardon. The one who would suffer on behalf of the people. The one that the will of the Lord would prosper in His hand. The one who would be bruised and crushed. The one who would carry illness and bear disease. He, the suffering servant. The one that was to come. He's saying, guys, guys, all these healings, they tell us that this is Christ. This is Jesus. Jesus is the one you've been waiting for. Jesus is the hope for the world. For healing. If you're looking for hope for healing, it's Him. It's Jesus. And that's what He's doing here. In His ministry. He's taking it. He's carrying it. And that's what He did all the way to the cross. He took it. He carried it. And He went all the way to Golgotha. And His hands were pierced. He was crushed. He was hung. And on that cross, held, carried, He bore all our sickness, all our diseases. In the atoning work of Christ, we have healing. By His stripes, we are healed. Understand that every single benefit that we have as believers is secured on the cross of Calvary. There is no benefit that we can claim or enjoy apart from the sacrificial work of Jesus on the cross. It is on the cross that Jesus carries sin, sickness, and disease. Someone say amen to that today. So if there's any hope for any healing, it's on the cross. That's where you get it. That's where you see it. The cross of Christ. Some of you are like, wait, I thought we were Baptists. <laughs> oh, maybe that's only reserved for me. <laughs> yes, we're Baptists. Yes. But this isn't a Baptist thing. It's not a Pentecostal thing. It's not a charismatic thing to talk about the atoning work of Christ bringing healing to the people of God. That's not a denominational thing. Christ carries all to the cross. The cross is the basis for all the benefits that accrue to believers. Even healing from sickness, illness, and disease. Amen. But we have to be careful here. We have to be careful because this verse, by His stripes we are healed. This understanding of connecting the atoning work of Christ to the healing of the people of God can get all jacked up and distorted. Especially in 2020, prior to glory. Now be careful. Because some people will say something like this. 
my friend, if you will just believe this truth right now, if you just believe this truth, your days of sickness will be over. Like right now. If you just conjure up enough faith, if you just believe it enough, if you believe this truth now, your days of sickness and illness will be over right now. Please understand, Christian, that is not the teaching of the Scriptures at all. That is not the truth of the Scriptures. That runs contrary to what the New Testament teaches us about how God uses sickness and suffering in our lives to deal with the greatest disease that we have. He uses sickness uh, and disease in our lives to rid us of and sanctify and purify us of an even greater disease. Some would distort the meaning of this text. They take the reality of the kingdom and say, it's all ours now. That is not true. It is true, but not totally. There is more kingdom to be revealed and experienced. And until we see Jesus face to face, there is an already not yet nature to these promises. But understand this. By His stripes we are healed. It's not a matter of if we are healed. R.C. Sproul would say it's a matter of when we are healed. It's here this way. You who suffer and struggle and you walk with pain and grief and deal with ailment after ailment, issue after issue, no matter if it's cancer, no matter if it's COVID, no matter if it's COPD or inflammation or allergies, whatever it is, whatever you're facing, understand this. It's not a matter of if you will be healed. It is a matter of when you will be healed. You will be healed. That's what I'm trying to say. In time, in Christ's perfect way, in Christ's perfect time, every human sickness, disease, illness, affliction will be finally and fully removed because of the cross. Jesus is a great healer. My intention is making this good. So we're going to end soon. <laughs> but please, as you return to these sweet promises of the cross, the guaranteed healing of the believer physically, understand it is not historical. It is the truth. It is not the myth. And the greatest thing that Jesus healed us from is really what the suffering servant does in Isaiah 53 and really what Christ is doing in His perfect work. He is delivering us from sin. The source of our sickness. See, that's the glory of Christ. That's the efficacy of His work. The effective nature of what Jesus does. He doesn't just deal with the surface and just put on a band-aid. He goes right to the heart like a perfect divine surgeon and gives us a new heart and a new spirit in us. And then He brings about everything in the resurrection. But surely it is deliverance and healing from a rebellious heart to God. Maybe that's what's happening in your heart right now. As you sit there with pain and the reality of human brokenness, but the Spirit of God is coming to you and saying, listen, trust me for, for healing for your greatest thing. And that is the sin of your own heart. If you're here today and you're living in the brokenness and sorrow of your sin, please come to Christ. Turn to Him for healing today. Because He restores all of His brokenness. All of it. 
not the surface, not a portion, the totality of human brokenness is remedied in the cross of Jesus Christ for all those who come to Him in faith. That's the gospel. That's it. That's what we see. That's what this community needs to hear. That's what your neighbor needs to hear. The gospel. All the things that we face, the gospel is the solution. You say, yeah, I understand. We hear about that all the time. But we need real solutions in our world. Please. The gospel of Jesus Christ on the cross for human sin, sickness, and disease, and everything else, everything else is what the world needs to hear. Tell them that. Tell them that. Rest in that. Tell them that. Come to Christ in faith to Him. That's the expectation. Sinner, the one who is sick, comes to Christ for healing. Comes to Christ in faith for healing because of who He is. And yet, that's the bottle for me too. Every day, talks about this relationship we have had that we have in the Son of Jesus Christ. That continue to live this life in the midst of brokenness and the fallenness of our existence, waiting for glory, please speak to Father. Pray for mercy for every ailment. Pray for others that they might be healed. Pray. Pray for them. But understand, you might be praying that, that, that God would bring about His will in such a way to conform them to the image of Christ through sickness, through suffering. Pray for mercy to endure, to take another step in a difficult situation. Benita Randall Riser says this, Should we pray for healing or deliverance, believing that we just need to ask because God can do anything? Or should we relinquish our desires to God, trusting that even in our anguish He has a perfect plan for us? The answer? Yes. We should do those two things. And last, wait for and hope in glory. Oh, we're an impatient people. Give me everything now, Lord. How dare you not give me everything now? God's perfect plans will work. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Hope for glory. Wait for glory. Wait. Wait. Someday, you will literally experience the reality of the fullness of the kingdom when he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Amen? Jesus is a great healer. That's who he is. He's the one who restores all that is broken in us by being broken for us. That's the truth of this text. May it be a blessing to your ears and to your hearts. Let's pray together. Father God, all praise and glory be to you for Jesus Christ. He's our healer. He's our substitute. He bears our sin. He carries our sicknesses. He carries our illnesses all the way to the cross. We praise you for the perfect, effective work 
of the cross of Christ for the people of Christ. All praise be to you. Help us to be a people that know Him as that, trust Him as that, and ask for mercy to make it through. God, be merciful to those here today that are just struggling physically, that have much weight that they carry each and every day. Protect us, Lord. Keep us healthy. For those who live with these things, we pray that you would be merciful and gracious to heal them. And yes, we pray you would bring about your good purposes in their lives. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Return to the glory of your name in this place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.